You're listening to the Binge Media Podcast Network on bingemedia.net. And now, the Binge Sportscast. That team won enough to become the villain. We worked for Bill, but we played for Tom. Bill tore Brady's head completely off. There's things that are done that can't be undone. I was just trying to hold it together the best I could. This team will be scrutinized, celebrated for as long as the game of football is played. What is up, everybody? It's Jack. I have hijacked the Sportscast feed here to deliver unto you a special edition show. Uh, of course, Apple TV Plus has released a couple episodes of a series called The Dynasty New England Patriots. And I'm Jack, and I'm here to talk about it. Of course, when it comes to the sports cast, I only care about the NFL. Patriots are my team. And I think some people might care about this, some might not, but essentially what's happened here is a book was written and released by a guy named Jeff Benedict a few years back called The Dynasty. Coincidentally, I actually read it over last offseason, Really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good kind of warts and all look at the team up until Brady left, essentially, and where things stood when he left and where they stand, you know, today. Uh, Team is obviously in an interesting place. Belichick's gone. Brady's gone. New head coach. Moving on to uh, different things. Don't know if they'll be better or worse. Just different, for sure. And this documentary drops very kind of interesting, maybe fortuitous time. And I thought, you know, the other guys, they might have some interest in this, but I wanted to give a little bit of perspective and my thoughts on the episodes as they drop. So, like I said, the series is dropping on Apple TV+. It's produced by uh, Ron Howard's production company, so it's got quite a bit of uh, moolah behind it. And it... Is sort of set up a bit like The Last Dance. So I think even if you hate the Patriots and hate what they've done and can't stand these personalities, I actually think this is pretty valid because Jeff Benedict grew up as a Dolphins fan. So his perspective, I think, is kind of interesting. And there's a lot of filmmaking flair in the series that uh, I think makes it at least entertaining for people who don't necessarily know the ins and outs of the story. So what I'm going to do is every week I'm going to drop in and two episodes are dropping every Thursday night. I want to say around 9 o'clock EST. I'm going to try and get these out to you by at least the following Monday covering the episodes. And this podcast episode is going to cover the first two episodes of the Dynasty. So um, just going to dive right into it here. There's a lot of story here. And... The one thing I have to say right off the hop is this series is really trying to tell the story of the rise and inevitable fall of this team, this dynasty, this particular core of Kraft, Belichick, and Brady, in that order, too. One of the things that I notice as a huge fan of the team is that there's a lot that's left out here. But there have been other series that have covered the same subject matter. Notably, Tom Brady's Man in the Arena series from a few years back really kind of gets into the details and really gets in the weeds on the games that were played, the individual seasons, and 
the extreme ups and extreme downs of the Patriots journey throughout that time. The perspective of this series is much more of a nuts and bolts of here's how things got started, here are the key players, uh, and when I say players I mean executives or people who work for the craft family, um, rivals, rival coaches, rival players, um, so not just players on the field but people who were sort of instrumental in this run in NFL history. And there are a lot of different talking heads. But we start back when Kraft buys the team. Episode 1 is called Backup Plan. And right off the hop, despite knowing as much about the team that I do, there was footage and there were some stories that I wasn't aware of. and Footage that I didn't even know existed. I have a feeling that much like the way that when The Last Dance came out, they released some supplemental material after the fact. I have a feeling they probably have a lot of stuff that was cut out of this. I hope it becomes available at some point because I would love to see whatever they've got here. Um, but as far as the structure of the first episode goes, it's very interesting. It, it sort of starts out with a five-minute montage, almost, almost like a, an overture for a classical piece of music. You know, if you go to a, a performance, you hear an overture, it's a shorter version of a, a show, of a longer symphony that will be played after the fact, and, and the overture gives you pieces of what's to come. The opening five-minute montage of this really lays out all of the stuff that I want to hear about as a fan of the team. The Super Bowls. All the Super Bowls, not just the wins, but the losses too. Aaron Hernandez pops up there. Spygate, Deflategate. Roger Goodell pops up. Uh, some key quotes and key people that participated in this run um, on, you know, the positive side of things and the negative. Uh, we get a lot of different talking heads in the first episode. Scott Pioli, who was, I think, VP of football operations for the team. Bill Burr pops up. Kraft pops up. Jonathan Kraft also is a talking head on this. Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and then players. You've got Damian Woody, who pops up here. Teddy Bruschi, William McGinnis, Lawyer Malloy, which is really interesting because he's got an axe to grind with the machine for how things you know, came apart with him and his relationship to the team. It's pretty incredible that he's a talking head here, and a lot of what he has to say is, is very interesting and, and I think valid. Um, Ty Law shows up. David Nugent, who was a lineman on the team, and I didn't know a whole lot about before this documentary, turns out he was Brady's roommate for a spell. Uh, while Brady, when he became the starter, he actually bought a condo off of Ty Law, and David Nugent became his roommate. And they have this incredible footage of, of Brady before he was anything, just kind of a you know NFL player trying to make his way. Um, this home video footage that I don't think has been seen anywhere. That's pretty cool to see as a fan. Um, but it's, it's pretty interesting the way that episode one is structured. You know, we start back with Bledsoe, Belichick, and Kraft, and the $100 million contract that Kraft gave to Bledsoe. And at the time, that was something that they did to make him the highest player in, high, sorry, highest paid player in football. Um, but the $100 million contract was also something to entice fans a bit. It was a bit of a marketing move on Kraft's part. 
The team was not great at this time. But if they had paid money, paid big-time money, for a player who was drafted highly and was, you know, sort of coveted, then that would entice people to buy season tickets and be invested in the team. And to Kraft's credit, that actually that did work. It, it was the beginning of some really smart business decisions on his part um, to make things better in New England for the Patriots. And there's a lot of time spent with Kraft talking about how he was a fan of the team first and that he made moves to be able to purchase the team and position himself well to make that happen. Uh, There's more on that in a later episode, I believe, but they do touch on it a little bit here, and I like hearing Kraft and having his perspective on what's going on. I think it's it's pretty interesting to see him be, um, I'd say, fairly candid regarding how that situation developed for him. And then there's a lot of footage with David Nugent talking about Brady and the competitive spirit that he had even when they were at home at the condo. In fact, there's a whole sequence where Nugent is describing playing Tecmo Bowl back at the condo and how Brady would hate losing. And he figured out that if he stomped on the floor hard enough, it would reset the console. So if he was losing, he'd stomp on the floor, reset the game, and try and play again. And uh, I don't think that Brady realized uh, what he was saying maybe in that moment, but uh, for the people who think he's just a fucking true and true cheater forever, uh, a little more fuel on the fire for them. So, you know, enjoy that, those of you out there. Uh, but yeah, then the episode sort of shifts and it talks a bit about the decision to start Brady. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. We do, of course, cover the Mo Lewis game, September 23rd, 2001. Mo Lewis knocks out Bledsoe. Brady comes in in relief of Bledsoe, but, you know, Drew's medical situation was much worse than anybody had realized at the time. Internal bleeding, I think there was a severed artery, and there was a lengthy recovery process there. But after about seven or eight weeks, doctors cleared him to be able to play again. And it was Belichick's call to say whether or not Bledsoe was going to continue playing. One of the things that... um, they talk about here in regards to the Brady Bledsoe decision is Scott Pioli, who again, director of, uh, sorry, VP of player personnel, I want to say. The titles don't matter so much. He was on player personnel alongside Bill Belichick at the time. Um, But Pioli talks about how the decision to start Brady over Belichick echoed something that Belichick had done back when he was with the Cleveland Browns. Belichick wanted to move on from Bernie Kosar, who was sort of a hometown hero on the Browns. And the fans absolutely killed him for that. And then, of course, Art Modell moved the team. And the whole reputation of the team and the people who ran it was sort of destroyed. Um, So the, the idea of starting Brady instead of Bledsoe, it had, uh, it, it was high stakes. And it took a lot of balls to be able to do that. One of the things that you get from this documentary, this episode in particular, is you get Drew Bledsoe as a talking head and his perspective on what happened. And, you know, in his mind, he got injured and then he lost his job. When in reality, and I remember this at the time, because I started watching football September 23rd, 2001. That was my first football game. It was the Mo Lewis game. So I became a Pats football fan and a Pats fan 
the day that Drew Bledsoe got knocked out. Um, and from Bledsoe's perspective, it felt as though his job was stolen from him due to an injury that wasn't necessarily his fault. But I remember at the time hearing in the media around here that Bledsoe was good and people loved him, but he wasn't as great as he once was. And it seemed like people around here were ready to move on to someone else. Not unlike right now when everybody was ready to move on from Belichick uh, as coach of the team. Um, similar kind of vibe. And Brady came in and he wasn't a world beater. He openly admits in the documentary, you know, we won games, but it was because the defense was what ran the team. And we got a lot of William McGinnis, Teddy Bruschi, Lawyer Malloy, and Ty Law speaking to that. And it's great to see those guys uh, relaying stories about what happened at the time and how they approached the team in those games and what went on there. Um, just as a fan, really awesome to see these guys in interviews. Uh, Ty Law in particular is pretty funny. Uh, not as funny as some people who show up in later episodes, but he's definitely, he's, he's got a few jokes there. Uh, but really, really interesting to see these perspectives. And having read the book and, and lived this as a fan, I think that there's one aspect of reading a book where you're putting this all together in your head and you're remembering these things through the lens of your own fandom and seeing clips of something online or back then on TV or being at the game, you have a certain view of something. However, this documentary, having those people talk about their experiences, colors in these memories in a completely different color and in completely different spectrum, and it adds a lot to the experience. Really enjoyable first episode here. Um, if I had some nitpicks, it's kind of a big one, and it's something that the local sports media has picked up on as well. But in this first episode, it ends with the Patriots' loss to the Rams in the season. I think it was a 24-17 Pats loss. And it bothered me a little bit watching it the first time. But it bothers me even more now because they, they kind of take some artistic license here. The loss to the Rams was actually seen as an incredible sign of growth on the part of the Patriots. They were such a bad team for so long, and the Rams were the greatest show on turf, and they almost took them to the woodshed. They got within one touchdown of tying them and then potentially going on to beat them. It kind of told all of us as fans that the Pats were good all of a sudden, and they had a chance. They could hang with one of the best teams in the NFL. The way that the documentary portrays it is as if it's a sort of roadblock or a skid that they lost to the Rams here. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a choice. That is not a good representation of how it felt at the time. But, um, but nevertheless, really solid first episode. Um, feels made for Patriots fans. I would imagine if people are going to get annoyed with this series, it's probably going to be through these first two episodes. But that's episode one. Episode two is called The Snowball. Uh we all know what that is, but the episode actually starts with the 2000 NFL draft, and we get to see some of the Brady family. We see Nancy Brady, one of one of Tom's sisters, Tom Brady Sr., and Galen Brady talking about Tom, how he grew up, his competitive nature, Tom Brady Sr. relays stories of playing, uh, you know, catch 
with his son and kind of his his father hitting ground balls to him in the outfield and, and Tom telling him, hey, you know, hit hit a couple hard ones, like maybe work for it a little bit. Um, and you see more of that sort of competition in Brady. And, of course, the famous footage from that draft and that combine of Brady walking, you know, running around like a, like a giraffe, um, kind of slow, kind of pudgy, but has something to him. And Scott Pioli talks a little bit about the process of figuring out when they should draft Brady and whether or not he was the best player on the board. And they even have a little bit of footage of Belichick talking to Brady on the phone, which, again, that was a clip I'd never seen before. Um, I don't know if it was out there previously or not, but really cool to see that moment in time. There's also a really famous quote that Brady says to Kraft. Kraft relays it in this episode. And Tom Brady goes up to you know Robert Kraft and he says, Hi, Mr. Kraft, I'm, I'm Tom Brady. And Kraft says, Yes, yes, you're the quarterback from Michigan that we drafted in the sixth round. And Brady says, Yes, and I'm the best decision your organization has ever made. And uh, Kraft has a funny little quote there about it, and it's, it's a great way to start the episode. But the episode takes a lot of time digging in more to the decision of Bledsoe and Brady and, and essentially what they do there, because at a certain point that medical clearance made it so that Bledsoe could play. But they were going to stick with Brady in this case. One of the talking heads that pops up in this episode is Ernie Adams. Now, for those who don't know Ernie Adams... He's sort of a folk hero to Patriots fans. He popped up maybe six or seven years ago in a video where he's talking on the, one of the Do Your Job Super Bowl wrap-ups. And in the background, on the whiteboard, it says Pink Stripes. And the thing is, nobody ever really knew what Ernie Adams did while he was in the building. Players can never speak exactly to what his role was. But it seemed as though he was really, really important. And we learn a lot about him in this documentary. It turns out that he's been a friend of Belichick's since high school. They have a way of communicating with each other that's nonverbal, which, you know, as somebody who has a couple of best friends who I also have that with, I, I absolutely know what he's talking about there. And that Ernie Adams was head of football research and that he would be one of the people who would figure out things like later on in the dynasty's run, that the Seahawks had a particular play on the goal line, a passing play, and that they needed to practice defending that in practice and blah, blah, blah. I'm sure we'll be talking about that later on. But but Ernie Adams comes up kind of big in this episode, um, even so much so that he is part of some produced bits where we see him at home and then coming to the field and driving his professionally shot stuff. So it's kind of interesting how involved he is in this when you look at it in terms of how behind the scenes he was for most of his career on the Patriots. But he speaks a lot to the idea of the, the Brady Bledsoe decision and what they wanted to do and what they needed to do there. And again, Scott Pioli's a, a big piece of this, and he does an Artie Adams impression, but between the two of them, they talk a bit about how Bledsoe was a great player but that after years of taking big hits, it seemed as though some of his mobility and some of his skill had diminished. Um, I think there's an Ernie Adams quote that says something like, look at him, he's a wildebeest out there just trying to survive. And they show a montage of a lot of those big hits, and obviously the Mo Lewis hit was a big hit that caused a lot of 
interesting decisions to be made. This piece of the episode is particularly fascinating to me um, because at the same time that we're seeing Bledsoe, again, as a talking head here, speaking to his disappointment with the fact that Belichick has chosen Brady to be the starter over him, we're hearing stories of Brady endearing himself to the veteran teammates and the vets on the team hazing him as a rookie, you know, doing things like putting an invisible ink in his socks that would dye his skin green and... You know, when it interacts with a little bit of moisture. So the idea would be he put his socks on, would have no idea the sink is in there, and then his feet would sweat during practice, take the socks off, and he's got green feet for a couple of weeks. Um, but at the same time, Brady doing everything he could to endear himself, become a leader on the team, doing things like drinking the linemen under the table when they go out for beers and, and you know, some camaraderie and things of that nature. Um, so. It's interesting to see Bledsoe's star sort of diminishing while Brady's is on the rise simultaneously. Um, and also recognizing that Brady was not a world-beater, incredible stud quarterback that first season that he had to start. Um, he was doing what he needed to do to stay on the field. He was protecting the ball, and he was making smart decisions and quick decisions. But he was not GOAT status Brady yet. He was a guy fighting for... The starting job. Um, it's also important to remember too, and this is another thing that the documentary doesn't get into, is that the Patriots started the 2001 season with four quarterbacks on the roster, four, four, four rostered quarterbacks, which tells you that they had some trepidation about Bledsoe to start the season. So had he not gotten knocked out by Mo Lewis, obviously that's a huge sliding doors moment in the history of, of football. But there is also some speculation that even if that didn't happen, Bledsoe may not have been the starter all season. But again, that's something that the fans will tell you and that the documentary only has so much time to get into, which I can understand. Then the episode shifts to the 2001 season post that Rams game and the final game played at the old Foxborough Stadium, which was, of course, the Snowball, the most famous game that was ever played in that stadium. Uh, Raiders at Pats divisional round game uh, just a, an absolutely massive uh, sliding door moment in the history of sports and they get into the game in some pretty great detail in the inevitable tuck rule play and the fallout of that afterwards uh, the thing that I took away from this episode as being the most interesting and the most uh, amazing thing from it was the locker room footage after the game was over. I had never seen that before, and it was wild to see the camera fogging up as Belichick is giving a speech to the locker room and giving Mr. Kraft the game ball for the, for the win. Uh, that was so cool. And I hope that there's a lot more footage like that that eventually will get kind of shaken loose. Uh, but another thing that I think is really important to bring up about these first two episodes in particular is that Belichick really did a lot to endear himself to the media at this time. You know, the Belichick that we know today, it's clear that at some point that perspective that he has and that relationship he has to the public shifts significantly. And I think we see the early Belichick in these first two episodes as somebody who is working towards winning. He's not the most open person in the world, 
but you can see him smiling, having a little bit of personality, having some levity. And it's, it makes you wonder when that shifts. Um, in any case, there's a lot of good stuff in here. And the episode ends with Brady's minor injury during the uh, championship game against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Kind of wondering where they're going to go next. Uh, so, first two episodes, I have to say they're off to a great start. I love the production value of this series, um, and it's a lot of fun to watch as a Patriots fan uh, through these first two episodes. So, uh, I will be back with you next week, covering the next two episodes. And until then, stay tuned to Binge Media. At Binge Media on Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, and Facebook. TikTok as well. And make sure you're subscribed on Patreon. Five bucks a month. Gets you bonus episodes. And all that good stuff. Alright. Say in peace. You've been listening to the Binge Media Podcast Network at BingeMedia.net. Support the network and subscribe to the full binge at Patreon.com slash BingeMedia. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And don't forget... I was going to say... Um... <laughs> what did you just say?